Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. My name is Kenneth Anderson. I'm your host tonight. Our show is called Addiction Treatments That Work. Our guest tonight will be Dan Big from the Chicago Recovery Alliance. And later, Stanton Peel will be on by to give us some closing thoughts for the day. Before we start the show, I'm going to do a little plug for our website and our book. Our website is hamsnetwork.org. We are a free-of-charge, lay-led support group for people who want to make any positive change in their drinking habits, from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. Our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available on Amazon. If you want more information, go to hamsnetwork.org book. If you want to make a donation, hamsnetwork.org donate. Uh, our guest is Dan Big from the Chicago Recovery Alliance. How are you doing tonight, Dan? Very good, thanks, Ken. So tell us, what is the Chicago Recovery Alliance, and what do you guys do out there? Well, in a nutshell, we're uh, we were started by a group of around a dozen people diversely affected by drug use and HIV uh, 20 years ago, and in, in, uh, in short, we first defined for ourselves and we think the world uh, what recovery really means because never really meant one thing and that confusion we thought was problematic uh, so we defined it simply as any positive change uh, one of our founders John Zeiler just came up with that uh, and uh, we have never been able to improve upon it it's a, it says it all it's revolutionary it applies to every person uh, it's defined by them. Um, uh, hamsters uh, uh, and, and any positive change you describe would would definitely subscribe to it. And I think anyone that has uh, you know half a, a, a breath of honesty would recognize that that's how us humans really change our behavior, no matter what the behavior. Yeah, we definitely so, adopted that motto into our group because you know. Many times our uh, members get very hard on themselves, and we say, well, look, you're doing better than before. You made a positive change. You need to you know, praise yourself for doing better. When you fail to recognize improvement, you are sabotaging yourself. And um, the first activity that we chose to, to initiate in Chicago, something that wasn't being done, wasn't likely to be done for a host of reasons, and that is syringe exchange. And so based on that foundation, we began what is now one of the larger programs in the world of uh, uh, what we call harm reduction outreach with syringe exchange. In addition to that, we, we help uh, people by offering as many options for positive change as we can, and then we assist uh, with a respectful collaborative process of someone choosing, choosing for themselves what the um, – positive changes they choose to make would be. And, um, you know, there is no more respectful approach. Uh, as, as someone who's been an addictions counselor for decades, I can tell you that in all the other forms of treatment that I've worked in, 
never has it felt more right and more respectful and more humane, compassionate, and best of all, more effective uh, working in harm reduction. Okay, what are some of the services that you offer there? You mentioned syringe exchange. What else do you offer? Well, you know, er everything about safer injection, injection being an aspect of disease transmission that was, you know, through HIV, our initial motivation for getting together. But, in fact, um, we have um, created a system where our participants define priorities for themselves and for us. And so we, uh, we do something regularly we call community advisory groups where we meet with people in each locale we're operating in, and we ask this very formally. We pay people for their expertise. What do you like what we're doing? What can we do better? If we haven't started uh, in an area, we say, is such a thing needed? If so, what would it look like? Um, you know, here's here's what we're doing. Are these things good ideas? Are they bad ideas? And then, um, you know, we can stay in touch with people. Uh, what Do you like what we're doing? Can we do a different... Um, is there any positive change we could make in your eyes? And, um, you know, the, after 20 years, uh, i got to say, not only has our staff remained remarkably consistent, but, um, you know, the, the, the participants that we've worked with have, have started to enculturate that idea, and it's incredibly powerful, uh, the idea that I don't have to be perfect. The idea that intoxication is part of the human condition and should I choose to intoxicate, doing it in a way that's safer is not only a good idea, but it's okay. I don't have to abuse myself. You know, and that, a, a lot of the, I guess you could call it genuflecting to, uh, to the moralism of society or the laws of society uh, whether or not they're smarter, um, for instance, as you know all too well, we've we legalize and glamorize two of the most dangerous drugs around, in alcohol and tobacco, and we demonize uh, uh, other drugs, including, for instance, marijuana, which has one of the best safety profiles of, of any drug. So, for example, um, if the government set the tone. Um, we would be very misled, and people that allow that to happen, um, you know, are, are really behind the eight ball to begin with. So uh, people like us and uh, yourself and many others, thankfully, are uh, have always thought that was a bad idea, and they're starting to speak out more and more now. And your radio show is one bit of evidence about that, and your book as well. Thank you. Now, there's some people out there that think that handing out syringes will increase drug use. It's just enabling drug users, they think. What's your opinion on that? Well, yeah, it is. It's enabling drug users to prevent infectious disease, prevent soft tissue injury, prevent local infections, uh, and feel better about themselves, enable them to feel better about themselves, uh, less scarring. Uh, you know, there's just some incredibly nasty things that can happen if you choose to inject yourself with something that's been used before. All the syringes, you say, one use, you know, and then throw it away. The um, uh, Finally, people are saying, you know, this applies to me too. Before we started, we did this study that was published in the Journal of AIDS with Yale and uh, 
uh, University of California, and a couple other places. And basically, we're looking at how many times a syringe was used prior to syringe exchange access. And the answer was 9.14 times. Now, by the time you use an insulin syringe 9.14 times, uh, it is the needle, which is only a half inch long usually to begin with, is much shorter than that and is dull as hell, is bent and covered with all kinds of muck and uh, microscopic examination. The syringe itself has usually lost its numbers and is broken down and, and full with all kinds of bacteria. It's a real um, disaster waiting to happen. After using syringe exchange, the average person was using a syringe 1.41 times. Uh, this is a study, again, we did in the 90s, but nevertheless, um, this is what you see. You see, you start by collecting uh, in your, the syringes that, all the syringes that otherwise would have just been thrown in the, the environment, most likely, because if you use a syringe, uh, most likely it's just a liability. There's no, no reason to hold on to it. Uh, you're violating a law if you do, and so it's quite understandable that people throw it away on the ground, in the garbage, whatever. And that is not good for our environment. Uh, we c collect them, and when we first started a site, the syringes look absolutely horrible. No markings, you know, and taped together and so forth. And uh, and then as we operate and people um, begin this positive change of collaboration, in this case, this around safer injection, the syringes start to look prettier and prettier, and pretty soon it's hard to tell them from sterile, clean new syringes. And that's exactly what we look for in, in our operation. An operation that doesn't achieve that is really not doing what they need to be doing. What you're trying to do is reduce to a maximum point the circulation time of a syringe. You want a syringe to go out there sterile, incapable of uh, passing disease, come back as quickly as possible, and in, be uh, placed in a sharps container and be disposed of and be replaced by one or more that that um, don't have uh, uh, the negative characteristics that the, the dirty ones do. And, you know, what the interesting thing about that is a lot of people think, oh, by just forcing people to turn in a syringe for each syringe they give, that somehow we're going to be cleaning up the environment. In fact, Yale did a study a few years ago that um, involved, I think, five or eight programs. Uh, three or four of them were strict one-for-one -one exchange programs. And um, then a number, including ours, which we, we do what we call need-based exchange. We ask people to say, how many syringes do you need for yourself and the people around you to have one shot, one syringe between now and the time you come back? And uh, we give someone that number. You'd think that such a thing would lead to more syringes in the community mm -hmm. and and so forth. And in fact, the opposite has happened. Uh, the circulation time in our program was less than any of the other programs. Uh, the return rate was higher, and I'm talking about by 20, 30 percent. And um, it's just, uh, I guess, the best way to describe it for me is uh, an adage my mother told me. She said, "You attract more flies with honey instead of vinegar." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're talking about with harm reduction in general, that by being respectful and working with people as if they were full humans, uh, colleagues, and um, you know, deserving of every human right that any other person is, 
you uh, that respect has a very very powerful influence, and that's what really what harm reduction is all about, in my opinion. I agree with you totally. The respect for other people as human beings is extremely important. It's always, in so many cases, you see one uh, group being scapegoated. Um, historically, there have been many different groups. Currently, it seems the drug users are the most scapegoated group in the United States. But it's it doesn't bring about anything positive to you know isolate one group and try to put all the sins of the world on them and blame them for everything. No, not only, and then and of course we create a safety valve for those people that we need to entertain us. Uh, you know, when they go through rehab, they can be rejuvenated, and and uh, other pe- other people can can claim a um, you know the uh, an epiphany and uh, you know a rebirth uh, into abstinence. But in fact, and I, I, I'm sure you you cover this in your book. And I'm sure you cover it in this in this show. And certainly, Dr. Peel will will attest to it. Is that the vast majority of people who have a problem with any substance stop it on their own, and sometimes that's by stopping it and not doing it anymore. Sometimes that's by moderating it in a way to be non-problematic. So, you know, it's it's really critical that people understand that um, you know we're 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 not you know like. Um, everybody must get stoned, uh, hippie types. Uh, some of us may be old enough to be, but nevertheless, we're we're more about uh, that's bullshit. I'm sorry, we can't. Can we say that on this? Uh... Um, well, we shouldn't say it too much. <laughs> okay, and that that's nonsense. Everybody must get stoned. It's just as crazy as drug-free fill in the blank. So we really need to focus on. Um, what humans really do as long regarding drugs or, or intoxication as long as there's been recorded history. And what humans really do is we like to intoxicate. A majority of us like to intoxicate. And we will do so with safe drugs or if in the absence of safer drugs, we will do so with more dangerous drugs. And you know the the methods of ingestion can also become safer or more risky and um you know i'm not saying that thoughtfulness isn't a part of this for example um alcohol it's a prohibition i think proved alcohol prohibition like probably most prohibition is a ridiculous failure and um you know all does support criminal enterprises and and uh, hurt people um with unknown products and uh you know make criminals out of pr- what should be productive citizens and uh and hurt people physically that is not really a good idea and so prohibition ended the same is true with all with all of the drugs uh the the thing we do which is so damaging is ignore that reality of humanity and we incarcerate we arrest and we incarcerate uh, we, uh, you know, a third in Illinois, it's over a third, almost 40% of people in our prisons and jails are there for nonviolent drug offenses. And we, you know, I, I can't get someone into addiction treatment, which is uh, methadone treatment, for example, of a heroin dependent person, for example, who desperately is interested in methadone treatment, the, uh, the most scientifically proven, effective, 
intervention for for a heroin dependence. They want it. They're interested in it, and it's very very difficult for me to get them into it. Uh, it costs around, let's say, even under the relatively inefficient system we have now, around five thousand dollars a year. Instead, we, we while we deny that to them, we uh, welcome them and go out and find them to throw them into prison at $50,000 a year, where nothing positive will be happening to them. As a matter of fact, the opposite. Uh, it's a breeding ground for disease. You know, the, there are more rapes in prison than anywhere else in the world, anywhere else in society, I should say. And the, um, you know, the, the things that go on there are uh, infectious disease uh, specialist nightmare. It's just not the way humans are should be and car, uh, should be treated, and uh, you know, to totally deprive someone of their human rights, of course, to to arrest and incarcerate them for something which should be a personal choice. To the extent that let me let me say at the same time, because people always say, well, you know, you're in favor of drunk driving, then, and of course, you're missing something really important if you think that. The issue is, if you do something that impacts yourself only, my choice of what to eat. You know, even that could, that could affect the society's health care and so forth. Nevertheless, uh, I, I can eat pretty much what I want. And uh, with regards to drug use, we should be able to use what we want. To the extent that any behavior we do, for we choose to do for ourselves, hurts another person, then it becomes a very different picture. For instance, drinking, fine. Drinking and driving, not good. And as my, my opinion is that that if we're going to have jail cells in our society, we should save them for people that are hurting or threatening to hurt others. Uh, and that is, um, you know, really what I see this country as being all about and needing to get back to in order to be healthy. And part, a big part of that is decriminalizing drugs, uh, allowing physicians to to play their role in, in providing them for maintenance, something that happened uh, 100 years ago and seemed to work pretty well, in my opinion, uh, despite the fact that, that someone was opiate dependent. Uh, no one would say that someone that has to go to Starbucks every day to get that big cup of coffee before work and then another one at a break and so on. Uh, no one would say that person is an incompetent employee in the same way that an opiate-dependent person uh, can be uh, as good or better employee than anyone who's abstinent, for sure. Uh, it's just not looked upon that way. And uh, it's, it's, the reality of it is quite different for any of us that know the, the true nature of it. And uh, I think that's maybe why, where we need to go in order to improve society. And ironically, these tough economic times may be a good reason for people to re-examine where we are and how to move in a positive direction, creating personal freedoms as well as a little more economic health. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned drunk driving just a little bit ago, and I thought you might find this interesting. I did a little poll of our membership of our support group online, and I asked how many people would favor the uh, – breathalyzer ignition interlock to be standard equipment on an automobile. And the vast majority of uh, the members of our group said, yes, that should be standard like seatbelts. And then, you know, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I don't know about the expense uh, of the thing, but certainly um, anything that prevents someone from who's, in, who's intoxicated from getting behind the wheel is a positive thing. 
And, uh, you know, the uh, I was at a, a conference uh, during the Clinton years, and Barry McCaffrey was trying to make fun of harm reduction. He says, the drugs are, he says, uh, these harm reductionists think that someone's drinking, they should just strap a siren and light on top of their car and then put them in there, you know, put the seatbelt on them and send them down the road. And I was thinking, well, I can think of some better things to do, like the ignition lock and, and you know, uh, help giving, a, uh, giving someone else your keys, uh, you know, designated driver and so forth. But nevertheless, that would be much better than, you know, the person just getting in the car and driving with no indication whatsoever that they were intoxicated. At least you could see the light and sirens coming and, and get out of the way. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, the, the so even his, uh, uh, Barry McCa- General McCaffrey's um, seeming, you know, his attempted slam and harm reduction, I think, underscores just how sensible a thing it is. And I, I think uh, most people could use a little of that this time in, in age. Exactly. Well, I think uh, we're going to close up now on our segment with Dan Big. Thank you very much for being our guest tonight, Dan. My pleasure. And I'm going to do a little more, another little plug for our website, hamsnetwork.org. We're a free of charge support group for anyone who wants to make a positive change in their drinking, from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting. The book is How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available on Amazon. Thank you, Dan, and good night. Good night. Hello, Santa, are you there? Hi, Ken. I like your new change, your new title, Any Positive Change. I think that's very evocative. Well done at the website. That's our title for tonight's show. We still have the same title. Is that the title just for tonight's show? It's for tonight's show because that is the motto of the Chicago Recovery Alliance. uh, I see. They coined that. Did you happen to see, uh, it's a good one, did you see any similarity between um, uh, Dan's talk and my opening talk about dealing with reality? I, I thought... There's quite oh, a bit yeah. of uh, overlap there. Yeah, and, I think uh, so. Go ahead. We, you know, we both touched on the fact that intoxicants have been around a long time. I don't know if you're aware of a – there was actually a study, I mean a program on the Learning Channel um, based on uncorking the past and other – archaeological work which has found um, alcohol produced fermentation at every site of human civilization Uh, every single one in the Middle East, in the Far East and it seems as though intoxicants are fundamental to human civilization and existence they've always accompanied us uh, for religious purposes, for artistic purposes, for sexual purposes. It, the argument is now being made among archaeologists that humanity is wedded to intoxicants, starting with alcohol, of course, which mm-hmm. is the most persistent and widespread. And so, as Dan was indicating, with alcohol prohibition, um, I happen to be reading the new book, uh, Last Call, Prohibition failed basically from the start. 
from the start, major parts of the country and cities opted out. From the start, uh, it, it wasn't so much Al Capone as a criminal syndicate. It's that everybody started looking around for ways to get alcohol, all of which were virtually illegal unless you were rich and famous. Uh, Andrew Mellon was the, the Secretary of Treasury, and he was totally who was in charge of the uh, Elliot Ness group supposedly, and he was totally opposed to prohibition. And wealthy people in general didn't think it applied to them. So every effort to approach addiction that way, to intoxicants that way, is doomed to failure and has failed. Which brings me to my topic for tonight. Ken, what's your opinion about whether AA and the 12 steps and the whole apparatus that surrounds that and harm reduction can coexist. What's your personal view? I know you're an open-minded, peaceful person. <laughs> what do you feel? Do you um, look for commonalities among people. That's your style. I have uh, many friends uh, in needle exchange, my mentors, who are members of Narcotics Anonymous, and they feel that it can coexist and that there's a place. But um, I, I find them exceptional 12-step members, they respect many different paths and don't say that the 12 steps are the only one or they're correct for everyone. They just say they're correct for themselves. I, I tend to go in the direction you're going. I mean, I, I know my friend Ethan Edelman expects or hopes to rope in the larger part of America, the whole recovery industry, and, you know, I respect that he needs to do that. And why he needs to do that is because it dominates American thinking. Um, when I, If you go to my website, you can see me debating Bill O'Reilly and uh, about harm reduction. He, he and everybody thinks the answer to addiction problems is abstinence. It's, it's the American way. It's our way of thinking. And it partly comes from our, the roots of our culture. And partly it's instituted by this fantasy that's created by AA for a minority of people who, after some time, are able to achieve abstinence. And, that I mean, I think they, in general, Americans, unfortunately, many of them, and certainly treatment industry advocates, uh, would be horrified by what Dan had to say. I mean, one thing we could ask ourselves is, how would Dr. Drew react <laughs> Dr. Drew claims that he believes in the medical causes of addiction, that addiction is a disease. You would think that he'd be sympathetic to approaches that accept, you know, people's fundamental involvement with drugs. But no, he's equally wedded to the 12 steps. He thinks the only resolution is abstinence. And so, therefore, here's my dilemma and my pessimism in some regards. As long as AA maintains the, its dominance in America, as long as it reinforces a mentality that's so evident in so many places um, and from the highest realms of public health, that we're still only capable of achieving abstinence as a goal, I don't think that our basic... Uh, uh, efforts will ever be successfully realized. And that's why right now, it's hard to say whether Democrats or Republicans are worse. 
Um, I, there've been, I've had two mailings recently from Drug Policy Alliance and Ethan Edelman. One is, do you realize that people are still getting arrested at a record rate for even possession of small amounts of marijuana, mm-hmm. and that there have been a series of over a dozen raids on marijuana, medical marijuana dispensaries in California, both under Obama, both under a man who people had hoped would be sympathetic to a public health approach, must be aware of harm reduction. It's very discouraging about the fundamental bent of America. And I don't see any way around a defeat of the AA mentality, not not to disallow people to go to AA individually if they want to. I'm not a totalitarian by any means, even large numbers of them. But that whole mindset, that whole way of thinking, which reinforces America's goal that everybody should become clean and just say no, is the antithesis of what we're trying to achieve here, and I don't believe they can coexist. You take over, Ken. I know you've got to sail us home into port. Alrighty. Well, actually, that brings us... That's a perfect introduction to next week's show. Our first guest will be the executive director from Life Ring, but our second guest will be Dee Dee Stout, who wrote a book called Coming to Harm Reduction, Kicking and Screaming, Looking for Harm Reduction in a 12-Step World. Um, this is a person with a 12-step background that is now working in harm reduction that is trying to bring the two together in, in helping them to work together. So I think it will be she will be a very interesting guest. It's, she's got an excellent book. I thought it was very interesting. Dee Dee and I are old friends, and I appear as one of the interviews in her book. Yes, you do. I have the book. Uh, Dan Big is also one of the interviews. Lots of our guests are. That's a, it's a great book. I think it will be a great show. And I'll remind you once again, our, our website is hamsnetwork.org. The book is How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. And thank you, Stanton, for closing up, and good night. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.